Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Well, happy Easter. Christ is risen. And amen, right? Come on. Glad we got him. Love it, love it. Uh, I'm lead pastor Scott Harris, and I am glad that you all are here. Those that are online, I'm glad that you are joining us as well. You know, those videos of those lives changed. I just love those things. To watch what Jesus can do with a life, what hope can do with a life. It can change anything, and it can change everything. Well, that's what Easter's about. It is about Jesus changing lives through his death and his resurrection. It's about Jesus' hope changing everything. And today we're going to look at a story about hope, about a man's journey to hope. And that man's name is Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a a man uh, that lived during Jesus' time on earth. And we get a window, we get a witness his journey to hope in a conversation that he has with Jesus. And it's found in John chapter 3. And I'm going to just pray for us. And uh, if you have a Bible you've got on your phone, uh, great, turn to that. Uh, The verses will be on the screen. Can I pray for us real quick? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die and then to rise from the grave, having victory over death, so that we might have victory over death and have hope. Not just a hope of this world, but a hope for eternity. And so as we go to your word, we hear about Nicodemus. Uh, I pray you'd speak to each person. Speak to me right now through your spirit. Because God, we all have elements that we can relate to Nicodemus. So show us what you want us to see on this Easter. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, and this is Jesus and Nicodemus having their conversation. Now, I'll be reading from the NIV this morning. Just, uh, it reads a little smoother. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one... Uh, Let me get here. I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked, You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A powerful, powerful conversation. And again, what we get is a, a window into this journey of Nicodemus to hope. And the first thing we see in verse 1 there is that Nicodemus, is, his hope is clouded. It's clouded. He's given two titles. He's a Pharisee, and he's a leader of the Jewish council, a group called the Sanhedrin. And these two things cloud Nicodemus's hope and how he sees what hope is to a place that he misses hope, Jesus, who is right in front of him. It reminded me of a story. Uh, Sandy and, and, and I and our daughter, we planned this vacation. It was one of those big two-week vacation. You know, we actually borrowed a pickup truck and um, a, a camp trailer pulled behind and went with some friends. They did the same thing. And we went from Orcas Island and our southern destination was going to be uh, Yosemite National Park. And we're going to go down the coast. And if you've ever done that trip, it's just amazing. We're going to camp on the way. Well, when we're going to uh, get about halfway through, we're going to go through San Francisco. And we're going to drive across the iconic Golden State Bridge or Golden Gate Bridge, right? And we're so excited about seeing the Golden Gate Bridge. And so we're driving there, and, and you can see, uh, if, if you don't know what the Golden Gate Bridge is, right? Um, it's this uh, amazing uh, bridge that, you know, kind of defies engineering, and uh, everybody knows about the bridge. And we're going to be able to see it. And so we get down there, and if you are from the Bay Area, you're going to know right where I'm going with this, okay? We get down there, and it is fogged in. We pay way too much money to drive across it, right? And we see barely anything, barely can see the road. We see these little glimpses of these, uh, you know, red bars, and that's it. Nicodemus was in the same kind of situation. Hope was right in front of him. And it was clouded. He could not see it. And there's two things that we see right off the bat that cloud this hope. First of all is his heart attachment. We see that he is a Pharisee. And that's kind of a denomination of the Jewish people during Jesus' time. And they were highly educated. Uh, very, very uh, popular in culture. High status there. And they're very wealthy. And Jesus says in Luke 16... He rebukes the Pharisees. He says, your heart is attached to these things. Your heart is attached to these things. And Nicodemus and these Pharisees, they missed hope that was right in front of them. Nicodemus was missing hope right in front of him. You know, we do the same. 
There's all kinds of things that our hearts get attached to here on earth. Our status, right? Our prestige, our education, our title. And we get attached to these things. And what happens is our sight gets short. And we miss hope. We miss Jesus who's right in front of us. The true bringer of hope. We also see Nicodemus. His hope is clouded because his eyes are too low. We're told that he's a Sanhedrin. And again, and that is the ruling council of Jews. Rome occupied Israel at this time. And how Rome kept control is they let uh, nations here, the Jews, have some rule, make them feel like they're in control, which they weren't. Right? And what we know all through the New Testament is that the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, one of them, really partnered with Rome. In fact, they partnered to actually have Jesus killed because their eyes were lower and they were trusting in the ways of this world to discover and find hope. And Nicodemus was doing that and he missed hope. He missed Jesus right in front of him. Man, I mean, the whole Nicodemus story I so relate to, right? Because I'm like a lot of you. you know, my eyes get lowered and all of a sudden I begin to find hope and look for hope in the systems of this world, right? Educational system, the medical system, the economy system, right? My own pleasure systems I create for that. And what happens is my gaze gets lower and lower and lower. And what Jesus wants us to do is lift our eyes up. See higher and bigger than what this world offers. Because it's the only place true hope will be found. Where hope that can last for eternity will be found. It's where Jesus says, Jesus was sitting right before Nicodemus. And his gaze was so low he couldn't see him. His hope was clouded. And you know this. When you get in the clouds right? It can get confusing. <laughs> My wife and I were a little younger, first married. We're out in eastern Washington driving on roads out there, and it was really foggy. And her sister, her older sister, is in the back seat. And so I'm driving, and I'm just white-knuckled driving down this country road. And then uh, I he was watching the fog line. You know, I couldn't see 10, 15 feet in front of me, that's it, you know? And I could see the reflector uh, post on the edge, you know, driving along. And we're all quiet, right? Just <laughs> and out of nowhere, my sister-in-law just screamed. And I'm like, what? We're all like, what? what? She goes, oh, oh, I was confused. I saw the reflector post, and I thought we had driven off the road, and that was one on the edge of the road. She was looking out the driver's, you know, passenger window. Uh, we were like, oh. You know, when things get clouded, we get confused. And all of a sudden, hope gets distorted. We let other things influence us. 
And that's what was happening to Nicodemus as this conversation with Jesus continues. We see some things that brought confusion into hope for Nicodemus. The first thing we see is fear. Fear of others. He came at night when no one would see him. Secret meeting with Jesus. And we know through the New Testament that the Pharisees would often go to Jesus in the daytime. So this was a unique thing. He goes to him at night because he was afraid. He was afraid because he heard what people are saying about Jesus, what culture was saying about Jesus. What are they going to say about me if I am found with Jesus? If I walk with Jesus? See, he let people and their opinions, and I'm going to say the pundits, influence him and create confusion in his mind and his heart. And he missed hope right in front of him. He missed Jesus right in front of him. And man, I can relate to this. This is one of those things which as I was preparing this message that was painful and convicting. Remember in my story, I let too many people influence me. Too many opinions sway me. Most of my life, and I wouldn't come to Jesus because I was more afraid of what my peers would think and how I would look. I didn't want to look stupid. Too religious, right? I don't want to be one of them. In fact, when I got saved, you know what the first thing? Well, the second thing I thought of. Well, maybe the third. The third thing. Let's go with that. <laughs> my wife was in there, right? And my walk with God. But all my friends. I was in my 20s. I said, this is going to be embarrassing. We've teased these goofy Christians my whole life. And now what? Now I'm one of them. Oh, great. In fact, I didn't tell anyone for a while. So I was too embarrassed because I was one of them. I was religious. Oh, great. Right? And many people today adopt the tag, I'm spiritual, but not religious, right? They're professing the Nicodemus fear. Fear confused Nicodemus so he missed hope right in front of him. Another thing was his focus. Was his focus. See, he was a Pharisee. And what the Pharisees did, they are extremely legalistic, meaning they followed the rules. In fact, they made up more rules. Because why? They were focused on the physical things. You could see and that you can touch, that you could taste for their righteousness of being good with God. And their focus was hyper on the legalism. And what Jesus did in this conversation, he says, I want to change your focus. I want to change your focus from the physical to the spiritual so that you could see what sits right before you. Because what happens is when we focus in on things here, the physical, hope, Jesus, God, will get confusing. And it will put you in a tailspin. And that's what was happening with Nicodemus. I remember it's what happened to me. 
And Jesus uses this, this uh, physical illustration to try to change Nicodemus's focus. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? I don't get this. What are you talking about? Uh, he says, you have to be born of water and the spirit, right? The physical, right? You have to be born that way. We understand how uh, nature works there. But also you have to be born of the spirit so that you can see spiritual things the kingdom of God. Because the things that matter, the things that have depth, the things that will change your life and transform you are all found in the spiritual, in the kingdom of God. And if you do not have those eyes, you're going to miss it. Jesus wants them to get it in the right order. To first see through the spiritual, because what will happen is that will bring you clarity for the physical and make things make sense and have them fit in a space where the physical just can't define it and will lead to frustration and pain and anger, confusion, to you'll miss hope sitting right in front of you. And the third thing, I, I mean, they're all convicting to me, just so you know, so uh, I'll just trust your journey with God right now, is Pride. Jesus actually kind of rebukes Nicodemus in this conversation. He says, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. And Jesus says, what? You don't get this? First of all, you heard me teaching. It's why you got a meeting with me. You saw the works, the miracle that I was doing. You even said early in the conversation that, man, you must be from God because what you're doing, no one could do. If they're from earth, something's up. He says, and here's the other thing. You are a teacher. You've talked about this moment. You've taught people for years about the Messiah. And you don't get it? Here's what I think. Opinion here. I think Nicodemus was getting it. I think that's why he met with him. It's like, this is up. This sure looks like everything I've taught them from the Old Testament and the prophecies of the Messiah. This sure looks and sounds like him. But man, I've got a good thing going here. And so pride says, I'm not going there. I can't go there. I'm going to have to let all this go. That was one of my greatest fears. It was stubbornness. Because you know what? In my heart of hearts and years of walking, not with God, I kind of knew. You know what I'm talking about? I knew there's something bigger. I knew when I'd hear about this Jesus that just rang true. It made more sense than anything this world offered. I knew, but I was too prideful. I was too selfish. I, quote unquote, had built a little world that I was comfortable in. And I didn't want this Jesus guy to interrupt that. And I think Nicodemus is tracking that same way. And that pride got in the way of true hope that could lead him to freedom in a life he couldn't even imagine. How spiritually peaceful, maybe not easy, but peaceful he could have. So in this conversation, what Jesus does, he says, I'm glad Jesus does this. I, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, a little small town guy, so I like it simple. 
He says, let me just break this down to you so you understand how you can find hope, how you can see hope. He says it's this. In John chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, he says, first thing, it's about love. Many of us know that verse, John 3, 16, I think the most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, he did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Verse 17. Verse 15, he says, you know what? This is about eternity. This is about hope. That's what this gospel, this good news of Jesus is. That's the Easter story. It is about hope. And that hope starts with love. For God so loved the world. He loved it. He loves you. When he says the world, guess who is included in that? Everybody. That's why he says the next thing, his promise, there's no condemnation. It is unconditional love. You can't earn it. It's given to you. Whether you want it or not, whether you trust it or not, it's given to you. And all are invited, all are accepted to this love. It is the foundation of all things because God is love. To everything that you see, everything you experience sits on the foundation of God, of Jesus, of love. So Jesus said it starts with love. And your only responsibility in this gospel, in Jesus' story, your journey to hope is believe, is to have faith. To open yourself up to God loves me. Open yourself up fully to allow his love to come into your life and do its beautiful work that only God's love can do. And then what we find, what becomes clear, the clouds, the confusion lifted up and clarity comes, is hope. You will see hope through Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection. That's what he wants. And this is what Nicodemus experienced. So we see Nicodemus is his hope confirmed. I'm going to take you to John 19. Later in Jesus' ministry. And we're going to see Nicodemus pops up again. It's verses uh, John 19, 38 through 42. If you're reading along, there's some little snippets up here about it. You'll get the point. We're going to see the hope confirmed that Nicodemus found hope, saw hope, hope got clear to him. John 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, 
He came and took the body away. Pilate was a Roman leader. Uh, Verse 39, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Here's Nicodemus. He's at the cross. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. We just read about it. And what Nicodemus brought, he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because, because it was a Jewish day of preparation, getting ready for their Sabbath. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So what we see is Nicodemus is at the cross. And I believe this. People say, well, when was Nicodemus saved? When did he become a follower? Just personally, I believe it was right at the cross. I believe he understood what was happening. We can tell. Because they had to get Jesus' body down quickly uh, before the Sabbath came, which was just hours away uh, after his death. So we know he was close. He was there. And I believe this. As he watched Jesus go to the cross and die on the cross, I think he thought this. He did what he said he was going to do. He said that he would die on that cross because he loved the world. Because he called people his friend. And there he is, dying, dead, on Rome's crucifixion cross. And on that cross, what he said is that he would pay a price. The price of sin, which was death. But not his sin, my sin. He did what he said he was going to do. I think Nicodemus looked at him and says, he is who he says he is. He said he was the way, that he's the way to heaven, to eternity. He's the hope. He's the truth. He is the reality. He is the foundation of all things. He's the reason. He's the truth. And he's the life. And not just any life. He's the kingdom life. The life now and forever. And he's going to be the resurrected one. He is the Easter story. The one that will resurrect me to new life through his resurrection. I think as Nicodemus gazed him on the cross and said he did what he said he was. He is who he says he is. Therefore, I am who he says I am. I am loved. I am loved unconditionally. I am worthy for him to die for my sins. I'm accepted just as I am. I am invited to be with him. I am a child of God. I believe Nick has even understood that. He believed that. And then he took what I call the boldest walk, the greatest confirmation 
of what the Easter story does in someone's life. The confirmation that he now knew where his hope was. That he went to Pilate, Rome, and asked for the body of Jesus. And remember, what Rome would do, they'd crucify people in a public place, in the daylight, so everybody could see it. That's how they controlled the masses. So all of a sudden, he wasn't in the dark any longer. In the light of the day, for everybody to see, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Rome, or Romans, the people, everybody, he walks, walks up to that cross and takes that body down. He's making a powerful statement. I am with him. My hope is in Jesus. And no longer am I going to let fear no longer am I going to let my eyes gaze down at this world. And I'm not going to let pride. I'm going to humble myself in front of all of you. And I'm going to go up there and I'm going to take that body down. That body of my Savior, my God, my hope, Jesus. And they take him down. And it says he brought something with him. 75 pounds of myrrh. And myrrh was a, a burial spice. And it had a couple purposes. And these are bold statements that he was making about the transformation and the change in his life. Okay. Myrrh uh, and large amounts of it is what you would use to bury a king. He had four times the amount of myrrh that is typical. He was making a statement with the amount of myrrh that he brought that Jesus is my king. He's my king, and it's for his kingdom I will live. And they put him in the tomb. They put those spices on his king. Again, it's one of those things in culture, they knew exactly the statement he was making. He has a king. He has a savior. He has a hope. It's Jesus. But also, myrrh is to help a body uh, decompose slower. And this is four times the amount. 75 pounds is a massive amount of myrrh. Incredibly expensive, hard to get. But it, what he was saying by bringing that much myrrh, he goes, I know what he said. He said, if you tear down this temple, talking about himself, it'll be raised three days later. He's talking about the resurrection there. The resurrection of Jesus Christ that'll bring us new life. He says, I know he's going to rise again. So he needs a little extra myrrh. Because he, he's not staying here. He is alive. He is eternal. And my hope is in him and his resurrection. And so he brought that myrrh for the whole world to see. Because I believe this. That Nicodemus was at peace in his soul, in his heart. And in that moment, in that cross, on that day, hope was alive in him. It was clear to him. He saw Jesus in his resurrection. And it changed everything. And it changed everything. He was not the same person. Jesus wants you to have the same experience. He wants you to know him, to know about his death, his love, 
which you know to know about his resurrection and the new life that he provides for you. And in that, it's unconditional. He will do the changing. You don't have to. It's not a do-gooders list. It's humbly surrender and say, you do your work in my life. And then your story will be God's story. And it'll be a beautiful story to impact the world as you are too. Because here's what history says about Nicodemus. Extra biblical writings. So what happened to him? Well, here's, here's what history says. Uh, that Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus. He left Jerusalem. Why? Because the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin kicked him out. Because his hope was in Jesus, not them any longer. But it says this, that he died a martyr's death. He went and took this hope that he had clarity on, this hope in Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and he went to tell the whole world about it. And he was killed for it. And I believe that over all the fame he had before, that he was at peace. His life was changed in a beautiful way. And he wants to do this. So some next steps. The worship team's going to come out. And I'm going to read 1 Peter 1.3. Or excuse me, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.3. And you can just hear the Easter message in this. If, and this is Nicodemus' story. And God wants it to be your story. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We see this resurrection that we celebrate on Easter. Right? He's alive. Jesus is not dead. Death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. He is alive so that we could be alive. It's a living hope for you to have the life that he has for you now and forever. It's the hope of Jesus. And in that, we are made new. It says born again here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 calls it, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are redeemed and restored to who God has you to be. Who he created you to be. Unclouded, unconfused by this world. Absolutely his. And there is peace and there is joy. It's why Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. Because he is our living hope. And I'm going to give you a couple charges I want you to think about as we close in a song and go about our Easter day. Um, is this. Do you know hope? Is hope clear for you? Do you know it's in Jesus Christ? He loves you. He died for your sins. To redeem you, to restore you, to invite you into a relationship with him. And it's unconditional. And that's a hard term for us because for us as humans, everything's conditional. Most people have to earn their way into our relationship with us. Not true of Jesus. He paid it all. He paid the price. He defeated death so that we can be with him now and forever. And the only thing he says is, believe, allow by faith. Let me do the work in you. Open yourself up to hope. So if you don't know that hope, if any of this, you said, I identify with Nicodemus, I am confused, I don't get it. Uh, 
Hope is right in front of you. Jesus is right in front of you. He's alive. And we're going to have people up here, a prayer team uh, there. I'm going to be right up here. Um, other people, say yes in faith. Say yes. I don't understand it. You know, we're all still trying to figure it out. So I don't think this is some sort of 100% clarity. That's the wrong focus. The clarity is just in him. And he will walk it out for us. But it's saying yes to him in faith. I'm going to be with Jesus. You accept him. And let this be the start of your spiritual story. But there's a lot of you here that know Jesus is your Savior. But like me, I only open up this much. Man, I'm just, I'm scared. I'm self-focused. Versus saying, I want all of you to love me. I don't want to hold anything back from you. I want to trust you completely. Easter could be that for you. Not just another great high mark of Christian calendar. But a time to say, I want you to take more of it. I want you to change this. I want you to change everything. Hope come into my life more and more. And so I want the fullness of you. And it may be a surrender of a specific thing. It might be um, many things. It might be, be just, I am done being closed off to God. I want all of you. So I have spiritualized and live in the kingdom of God. You come up and we pray together. So would you stand with us? And I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to you and trust you. And I pray that you would drop any pride, any insecurity, and just know God loves you, we love you, and just step out in faith.